Alright folks, today I'm going to read from this book called While the Gods Play Shiva, Oracles, and Predictions on the Cycles of History and the Destiny of Mankind by Alan Danielou Danielou, he's a French author I think Pretty interesting life. He went and uh, studied all this shit in India and uh, noted it down. And this is translated from the French by Barbara Bailey and Michael Baker. It's uh, from Inner Traditions International, Rochester, Vermont. Alright. They say the book finds you, man, and this author, one of his other books I read, which I think is a great read for anyone, is called The Phallus, a sacred symbol of male creative power. And it's fucking mind-blowing that so much of our art, symbology, architecture has <laughs> this phallic symbology all over but okay so that's i read that one and then i'm reading the second book um by him also while while the gods play and there's i mean he's written a bunch of them there's this other one i got gods of love and Ex ecstasy the traditions of shiva and dionysus this is what i'm saying man like if you go back and study this shit um, the Greeks and the Hindus are very similar. <laughs> Alright, anyways, I'm going to read from this book. Um, fuck it, let's see. It's just, it's just so good, man. I could read, like, chapter 1, 2, and 3, because... Just so good. Alright. Well, let me see. Where the fuck do I want to start? Let me just read Origins, okay? Chapter 1, Origins, and then I'll go to. Okay, so Chapter 1, Part 1, The Human Adventure, Origins. According to the chronology of the Purana, the present human. The present humanity would have appeared about 58,000 years ago, a figure that corresponds to 12 and a half times what Shaiva cosmology calls the age of the ancestors, Pitri. That is the duration of a lineage, a particular species of men. Also, another interesting thing is Sanskrit and Latin have, it's just, this is what I'm saying, the Indo-European, this is... Okay. The human species that have succeeded each other on earth have each achieved a very high level of development and knowledge, then disappeared at the time of planetary catastrophes, leaving, however, traces that served as the basis for the development and knowledge of subsequent humanities, which, when they reached the limits of the knowledge permitted man in the plan of creation are in their turn destined to disappear it's all a show my friend 
Creation is a continuous phenomenon. Species evolve. New species appear. Others cease to exist. No, no species is born of a single couple. Did you hear that? No species is born of a single couple. Even if a mutation can be the act of an individual, the appearance of a new species is always a global phenomenon. Man is no exception. Since the birth of the present humanity, four species of men have appeared at precise moments in the cycle. Thus, they are different ages of their development. The history of humanity is not, therefore, a single phenomenon. It is marked by conflicts between peoples in different ages of their development. The principal problem for all civilizations is to know how to organize their coexistence. Alright, another interesting thing I would like to say is that Sanskrit languages are made. Languages are created. So, they purposefully created the language Sanskrit to be the most scientific, accurate form of communication. A language that was created. So that's just interesting. Right? To try to understand the history of man, anthropologists and archaeologists excavate layer by layer the places he has lived. They discover primitive forms of habitations, but also vestiges of civilizations prestigious for their arts and technology, which are sometimes contemporaneous with them, belonging to lineages of men who are different ages of their destiny who are in different ages of their destiny. Okay, let me read that again. Uh, they discover primitive forms of habitations, but also vestiges of civilizations prestigious for their arts and technology, which are sometimes com contemporaneous with them, belonging to lineages of men who are in different ages of their destiny. In any case, archaeology gives us information only about eras when humans used stone and metal, which are not indispensable ingredients for a sophisticated civilization. The spiritual decadence of man, according to Hindu tradition, goes hand in hand with progress in metallurgy from the Golden Age, Satya Yuga, to the Iron Age, Kali Yuga. The scientific cautiousness that only recognizes the existence of man according to the material objects left surviving is a very unreliable method since it depends since it depends on chance discoveries and only has value in respect to civilizations using stone or metal yeah it's just you're just using one set of glasses to look at the whole thing like fucking retarded man it is very dangerous to draw any conclusions from such a method. After the destruction of the magnificent cities of the Indus by the Aryans, stone was not used in the construction of cities for a millennium. The eras that we call Stone Age are in reality ages of timber, of, of adobe, and of clay bricks. Today in India, not far from Pondicherry, there are populations who construct the hulls of ships from curved wood, pierced in a fire and bound together with oakum, without any use of metal, and in which they are able to cross the seas. 
There are also artists that there are also artists there capable of constructing wonderful timber palaces covered with frescoes like those at Trichur in Kerala or in some Himalayan cities. The oldest temples dug into rock at Ajanta duplicate very elaborate timber architecture of which no trace remains. The Freemasons. In Africa, the sites of cities once famous for their splendor can no longer be found. In Japan, it has been possible to save some timber temples thanks to the periodic replacement of damaged parts. The men who decorated the cave sanctuaries of what we call prehistory did not live underground. They also painted frescoes on their earthen or timber houses, as is still done today in the villages of India. When we see important vestiges of lost civilizations appear, it is often at a very high level of urbanism, art, literature, knowledge of astronomy, and philosophical myths which represent a long past. Some megalithic monuments of India and Europe as well as structures in certain forgotten cities of ancient America necessitated the transport and polishing of blocks of stone so enormous that they required technical means that seem unachievable today. Their orientation implies a very advanced understanding of astronomy. This is what I'm saying, guys. There exists no primitive language, a language that does not allow the expression of the most abstract notions. One cannot judge the level of culture of peoples or civilizations by the permanent vestiges that have survived or by the customs of new peoples wrongly called primitive. The astronomical, medical, mathematical, and physical knowledge of the Indians from India, but also of other peoples on various continents several millennia BC, was in some cases more advanced than that of Europeans only two centuries ago. This is a French author. He's a white man saying this. The modern world is much closer to Capilla, Pythagoras, Euclid, and Aristotle than to the theologians of the Middle Ages. Astrophysicists who study the birth, formation, and evolution of the world are coming closer and closer to the ancient theories of Shaiva cosmology, whose elements India has retained. This is what I'm saying, guys. For some reason, all this wisdom and knowledge just always seems to point back to India, guys. I'm just saying, it's just... The idea that modern civilization started practically from scratch, from a single source of ape men several millennia ago, has distorted or caused to be ignored information that has reached us just as much by tradition as through archaeological finds. This is what I'm saying, guys. We have memories of past civilizations in everything, in food, in recipes, in domestication is all over but no we have to only look at it from the scientific point of view because we are robots <laughs> fuck it eh? we are so fascinated by the technological advances of the last centuries of modern civilization that we simply forget the periods of obscurantism 
that precede obscurantism that preceded them and the differences in the level of development of the various peoples of the world. We tend to consider progress a continuous and general phenomenon stretching from the apes to Einstein. Evolution is not fucking linear, man. This is why capitalism and just profits, profit, profits is, is, is fucking retarded, man. But we're bunches, we are still a bunch of monkeys fucking digging around with our, with our fucking bones, man. We, ha- we know nothing about how this world works. It's just been kept, just, we just, we've just been fucking brainwashed for centuries, repeating and learning and repeating the same bullshit while we've had all this stuff around us that said this planet you are living on is fucking magical. But no, we, we, we choose to go with the... Anyways. <sighs> Yet the history of man is not one of regular development. It is characterized by a succession of developments and regressions related to astro- astrological and climatic cycles. I'm telling you, we are getting milked so hard by these cocksuckers who know this shit. It's fuck. It's just sad, man. Barbaric races, still in their infancy, destroy civilizations that had been developed by older, more evolved populations, doing away with the sea, with the sciences and arts, yet allowing some scraps of knowledge to survive, which serve as the basis of the development of new cultures. You know what the definition of a fucking culture is? Look it up, man. On all continents, we can find traces of outstanding cultures and advanced technologies belonging to bygone ages, followed by periods of barbarism and fucking ignorance, man. We are still fucking monkeys playing with our dicks, man. Folks, let's return to... Okay. So, I wanted to read... This part from chapter 2, the religion of nature and the religion of the city. During the Dwapara Yuga, the age of doubt and economic development, together with sedentary life and urban growth, new forms of religion, religion emerged which, which sought to protect a conservative and puritanical social order. But it was not until the middle of the Kali Yuga that we witness the realization of the prediction of the Puranas. The teaching of Arihat in the form of Buddhism and Jainism as well as reformed Ajivikism attacks the old ecstatic, orgiastic, and mystical Shaiva tradition and at the same time the ritualistic and hierarchical structures of Vedic society. Right, so basically, before India was conquered by the Aryans, um, it was it was a very different sort of life. Religion wasn't a thing then. Religion wasn't didn't even exist then. All right, so the three heterodox sects that arose in this cultural climate—Buddhism, Jainism, and Ajivikism. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but had much in common. 
All three alike rejected the sacrificial polytheism of the Aryans and the mono and the monistic theories of the Upanishadic Upanishadic mystics. Upanishad Upanishad Upanishadic mystics. Okay, I guess that's how you say. It. The supernatural powers were relegated to an inferior or even negligible position. The three new religions represent a recognition of the rule of natural law in the universe. The three new religions represent a recognition of the rule of natural law in the universe. And the work of their founders may be compared with that of their approximate contemporaries, the natural philosophers of Ionia. I mean, you could you could also say this like Newton was literally. I mean, Newton was really a mystic, and he was doing the same thing. He was just observing the rule of natural law in the universe and just trying to write it down, basically. Okay. The religious reforms in the middle of the Kali Yuga were to bring to the fore the conflict of mysticism and moralism and of the religion of nature and love in contrast to that of the city and civic virtues. In India, as elsewhere, we can, in the course of the Kali Yuga, follow the alternation, conflict, and sometimes even the complementary nature of the two tendencies. Beginning in the Dwapara Yuga, in the limited spheres of what is called the intelligentsia of the cities, materialistic tendencies developed which were in conflict with Dionysian Shaivism, the religion of nature, hostile to the religion of towns, focused on man. Let me read that again. Beginning in the Dwapara Yuga, in the limited spheres of what is called the intelligentsia of the cities, materialistic tendencies developed which were in conflict with Dionysian Shaivism, the religion of nature, hostile to, to the religion of towns, focused on man. Jainism, an essentially moralistic religion along with the forms of Hinduism derived from it, such as Buddhism and Vaishnavism, are still the religions of the city dwellers and commercial classes in India today. It's like literally one group of people worshipping their gods for their whatever lifestyle, business versus another and it's just it's 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 interesting. This is this is basically Cain and Abel, guys. This is it's all basically. It's, it's all. Okay, I'll just keep reading. Let me see how much more do I want. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll just read. Okay, the Kali Yuga in the world. A development similar to that in India took place in all the territories occupied by the Aryans. The legacy of vanquished Pelasgi and Cretans is at the root of the development of the Hellenic civilizations. Hellenic is the Greek. The Indo-Sumerian sources of Hesiod and Homer have been proven. Dionysian cults similar to Shaivism 
combined with the Aryan religion in Greek and Roman antiquity as they do in India. This is what I'm talking about. This is the link between India, Greece, and Rome. All this shit is fucking... Is, 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 it's, it's all connected because it's all talking about the same shit. The Middle Sanskrit and Latin. It's Indo-European. That's the birthplace of all us monkeys, man. The middle of the Kali Yuga is everywhere marked by great upheavals. Europe witnessed the spread of Celtic barbarians. It was the time of the destruction of Athens, Urarthu, Urarthu and Babylon, and the Persian invasion of Egypt. So all this stuff like, you know, the Tartars and and all this ancient technology, architecture, all this shit. It's all connected, dude. It's 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 a big ass cover up story. That's basically about our history. In Italy, Rome developed at the expense of the Etruscans. We can observe in different parts of the world the simultaneous appearance of doctrines so similar to each other that they seem all to have the same source, which according to the Indians would be the Jainism of Parshva, the predecessor of Mahavira. All these religions and philosophical movements are moralistic and puritanical in character, demonstrate a belief in transmigration and also oppose polytheism and ecstatic practices. Zoroaster, a little before the occupation of the Indus by Cyrus, the king of Persia, had reformed the Persian religion close to the Vedic polytheism and adopted the Jaina theory of transmigration and retribution for actions after death. So if you look at, if you look at religion, it, it almost seems to be like the laws and the stories that the rulers used to get people to do whatever the fuck they wanted. <laughs> okay. Xenophanes, Xenophanes, is that how you say it? Xenophanes, Xenophanes, a Greek from Asia Minor, opposed polytheism and anthropo anthropomorphism. In Greece, the naked gymnopedists, 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 who were Jaina missionaries, had a considerable influence. Pythagoras taught transmigration and set up a brotherhood in the same year that Gautama became a monk. He drew inspiration from the theories of the Samkhya. Samkhya while the school of cynics is in all likelihood an echo of the teachings of the Ajivikas. In China, the 5th century is the age of the birth of Taoism, Taoism, Lao Tzu, 604-531 BC, and Confucianism, whose ideas are very close to some of the Indian concepts. The great system of Tao, Tao, which tries to follow the natural movement of the universe, originally appears to be based on a poetic version of the concepts of the Samkhya and of Yoga. The words yin and yang correspond to yoni and linga, <laughs> breathing practices and the search for the sun and moon in the body, re recall Ida and Pingala, 
the lunar and solar paths of breath in yoga, the sexual practices withholding the spermatic essence and trying to absorb the feminine essence, are identical to those of yoga. The notion of immortality conceived as transmutation in which astride a white cloud the sage or yellow emperor arrives at the region of the gods is analogous to that of Shaivism. We again find the seven sages, the refusal of ascetism, the practices aiming at a long life, Ayurveda, the Indian science of longevity. Confucius, who was born 10 years after Gosala in 551 BC and died five years after him in 479 BC, was an agnostic who was against Taoism and sought to resolve all difficulties in the world through morality. He was, according to Max Weber, a rationalist absolutely free of the metaphysical and of any religious tradition who built up a morality based on the nature of man and the needs of society his meeting with Lao Tzu would have been in 517 BC it is apparently a Jaina influence that caused the appearance of the notion of transmigration in later Taoism with the development of urban, industrial, and capitalist societies, the doctrines of the kind attributed to Arihat, moralistic, materialistic, and atheistic, filtered through all, it filtered through into all subsequent religions, including modern, modernized forms of Hinduism and Shaivism. We find their influence in Zoroastrianism, Confucianism, Judaism, Christianity, Islam and even Marxism, the last of the religions of the Kali Yuga. <laughs> okay, the Shaiva Revival. The period that corresponds to the beginning of the Christian era was everywhere a time when the official religions were being challenged. In India, Buddhism was Buddhism which had considerably weakened the Vedic tradition was on the decline, yet the authority of the Brahmins was not restored. Mendicant ascetics, despised and ignored by the ruling classes, had also undergone attacks from Buddhism, and it is only in the age of decline in the age of the decline of Buddhism, that is at the beginning of our of our era, that we see the ancient pre Aryan culture and its religion, Shaivism, reappear gloriously, scarcely affected by centuries of clandestine ex existence. The moment seemed favorable to the representatives of the ancient tradition to openly reestablish its precepts and react against all the foreign cults including Vedism and the new religions Buddhism and Jainism. Okay, all this is, let me see. <laughs> All right. The West. At the same time that Lakulisha caused the Shaiva revival, we see similar movement similar movements born in many other parts of the globe. In the West, Mithraism developed and in the Middle East, Simon the magician and Isha, Jesus, appeared. What? 
I have never heard this before. I, okay, I heard the Mithraism. Okay. In the West, Mithraism developed. And in the Middle East, Simon the Magician and Isha. Who the fuck is this? I've never heard of this. Simon the Magician and Isha, Jesus, appeared, whose unconventional and liberating message approached that of Shaivism. Jesus opposed the mercant the mercenary mentality and the caste of the Pharisee priests and chased the merchants from the temple. He despised material possessions. He rejected Puritanism and defended the prostitute and the adulteress. Let me fucking read this again. Jesus opposed the mercenary mentality and the caste of Pharisee priests and chased the merchants from the temple. He despised material possessions. He rejected Puritanism and defended the prostitute and the adulteress. He never condemned physical love and was probably not unaware of its platonic form. He surrounded himself with the common people. He, ev he evoked in the Last Supper the rites of sacrifice and the consumption of the victim. He evoked in the Last Supper the rites of sacrifice and the consumption of the victim. His transfiguration and the transubstantiation, all these big words these theologians love to use, his transfiguration and his transubstantiation transubstantiation of the virgin are Shiva concepts. He was born in a cowshed like Gosala near the ox, the sacred animal, and the ass, the impure animal. We know little of his teaching, which soon after his disappearance was distorted by the Antichrist, Paul of Tarsus. Oh my God. <laughs> we know little of his teaching, which soon after his disappearance was distorted by the Antichrist, Paul of Tarsus, who was, who was to misrepresent his message, creating the exact opposite of it, and to give birth to a puritanical and tyrannical state religion, conflicting with the Gnostics of earliest times in order to gradually seize political power. The Dionysian heritage was for a long time maintained in esoteric Christian sects as well as in Judaism and Islam in the occult traditions of Kabbalah and Sufism but has gradually deteriorated until it is no more than an intellectual game. I'll end with this. India Today Viewed from the outside, at the top of the social and cultural hierarchy of present-day India, we find the Aryan Brahmins, some of them great scholars, but many of them civil servants or political figures, and some artists. Then come the princely families and warriors serving in the army and in various occupations except for craft and commerce. Real power belongs to the powerful caste of merchants, manufacturers, and shopkeepers, which constitutes the middle class of modern India. Two intermediate classes 
foreign in origin, consider themselves to be superior to the rest to the rest of the population. These are the Muslims on the one hand and Europeans and Christians on the other. The pre-Aryans, who constitute the vast majority of the population, are considered by these various invaders as natives, in the colonialist sense of the word, good as a rule for manual, craft, or industrial work and for farm labor. Do you hear that? The pre-Aryans who constitute the vast majority of the fucking population are considered by these various invaders as natives. The meek shall inherit the earth. That's what Jesus meant. The natives, not these cocksuckers. And what did they say these natives were good for? For manual, craft, or industrial work and for farm labor. In reality, they form a parallel civilization, albeit unofficial, in which the dynasties of priests, princes, and merchants are maintained. <sighs> princes often falsified their genealogy in order to claim Aryan origins, but they do not marry outside their clan. Guilds of architects, sculptors, painters, and, mu and musicians are part of the artisan caste. It is from among these allegedly inferior groups that most of the initiates to the monastic orders who hand down the occult tradition of the ancient knowledge are recruited. Sometimes they absorb members of other origins. This world of ascetics, the sadhu, the sannyasi, actually plays a major but secret role in contemporary Hinduism, where although more, than, more often than not, Caste Hindus feign ignorance of it. The, tr the tradition of Shaivism and Tantrism occupies a much more important place than the Vedic tradition in the religious practices of Indians of all castes. Alright, I'm going to end with this. Um, forestalling the final day, the return to Shaivism. It's almost like the return of the king, the return of Jesus, the return of all this return of whatever the golden age like okay humankind is destroyed only after it has outlived its reason for existence from the point of view of both carnal and spiritual beings this occurs when the lineage is debased by racial mixing and when the tradition of occult knowledge can no longer find any receptacle to receive and pass on its heritage um what this occurs when the lineage is debased by racism. Okay. Two. Okay. Uh, I don't know what to say about that, but okay. I disagree definitely because I'm a product of uh, two races mixing. So, alright. Other than that, let's see what else they say. The extent to which certain men will be able to reverse the tendencies of the modern world and rediscover ways of life and thought in keeping with their true nature okay I see will determine for how so this this doesn't necessarily have to be like literal mixing of the races but like of cultures of, of different groups of people when they lose their own identity by doing that like America what culture do you have okay um, 
or just a, the extent to which certain men will be able to reverse the tendencies of the modern world and rediscover ways of life and thought in keeping with their true nature will, de will determine for how long the final day can be forestalled or at least allow some groups of individuals to escape the cataclysm and participate in the formation of the future humanity and of the new golden age which should appear after the next flood okay 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 therefore it is not a pointless exercise for human beings to try to cut themselves off from the modern world and rediscover the values and virtues whose rules and principles have been preserved by esoteric teachings well, this I agree with because a lot of people are going off grid and just living the simple minimalistic life nowadays, and it's a, it's a return back to nature, man. Because it's the same bullshit story. We build cities, agriculture, disease, famine, genocide, keep the food for the rich, and then the other fuckers for the work. It's just the same bullshit, and then finally. The, the land itself is like, fuck you guys, we, don't, we, we hate this setup. It's like Lion King in real life, the circle of life. I mean, look at history, dude. Like, that is exactly what the fuck we've been doing since the beginning of, I don't know, Rome, the Vatican. It's just the continuation of the same retards running the show. According to the... Agamas, the survival, short or long-lived, of the present humanity depends on a return to the religious, moral, and social values that have been preserved in Shaivism. Its teachings constitute the seed of the golden age of the future humankind. Mahayana Buddhism from Tibet has managed to reincorporate numerous philosophical, ritual, and, and erotic aspects of Shaivism and has, as it were, reinstated itself in the ancestral tradition it thus of it it thus offers an alternative course on the other hand during the first centuries after christ at the same time that in india we see Vaish, vaishnavism which stemmed from arihat once again being substituted for shaivism we also see the mystical and liberating Christianity of the Gnostics of the earliest times changing into a dogmatic, moralistic, and puritanical religion no longer bearing any relation to the teachings of Jesus. All conservative means is as you get older, you get more possessions in your life, and in order to keep those possessions safe, you have to just, you know, get stricter. That's all it is. You build more walls of insurance. <laughs> That's all it is. Let that... It's just all this material possession is what the problem is. People holding on to all this material possession and looking back and turning into fucking... into pillars of salt, man. <laughs> fucking... And the Romans were paid by weight of salt. the salt loses its saltiness, what use does it have? You, you toss it out on the street to get trampled on. That's what Jesus, that's apparently a saying of Jesus. That's what, okay. The recent reappearance of numerous texts of the Gnosis, which are very close to the ideas of Shaivism, and of Gospels that the Church had rejected and declared apocryphal, is a good omen for the future. 
The present period shows some signs of a return to Shaiva and Dionysian values, which may herald a reprieve from the brutal end of the Kali Yuga. One of the most important phenomena of the present era is the re-establishment of a cohesion between scientific research and cosmological speculation, an effort to understand the, na the nature of the world which shows a continuity between physics, metaphysics, and eventually spirituality, in contrast with the dogmatism of the religions coming from Arihat. Okay, who the fuck is... I need to look up who this Arihat is. The new alliance of philosophy and science may lead us back to Dionysian wisdom. Today, we again encounter a multitude of erotic practices that may be signaling that signaling what could be a resurgence of the Dionysian mystery. Often the liberation from convention has been the guarantee of a great cultural development. The myth of bisexuality is one way of expressing the divine totality, cosmic societal. It is this mythical and primordial androgyny that, so that sociologists can detect in many of the behavioral patterns of today's youth. Does this sound familiar, guys? The end of the Kali Yuga is a particularly favor favorable period to pursue true knowledge. Some will attain wisdom in a short time for the merits acquired in one year during the Treta Yuga can be obtained in one day in the age of Kali. At the end of the Kali Yuga, the god Shiva will appear to re-establish the right path in a secret and hidden form. Shiva is probably Jesus. Okay. Conclusions. Some contemporary astrophysicists and bio biologists, in the course of their most audacious speculations, are beginning to become aware of a strict coexistence and interdependence between consciousness and matter. Hmm. There exists no matter without consciousness, and no consciousness without matter. One of the fundamental conceptions of Shaiva philosophy is that each form of existence, animated or inert, each living species has a role to fulfill in the play of creation, and that this determines its physical appearance and the development of its mental capacities at its level of consciousness. But no, we have to edit everything, reality, everything. We have to, we humans have to live up to this fucking image we have in our heads. The shit we do to, 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 to make, to mold this physical life into this perfect image we see in our heads is retarded. Just enjoy life. The tendency... Let me rephrase that. Life in the, lived in the natural way is not lived like that in the mind. It's lived just being in nature. You don't have a mind in nature. It's just... Alright, anyways. The tendency in the highest spheres of contemporary thought to propose hypotheses that resemble aspects of the knowledge of the golden age of humanity at the very moment 
when all the premonitory signs of his decline and death are manifesting, is significant? Is it a question of a culmination of a final attempt to, to avoid the catastrophe, or simply a precursory sign of the humanity that must succeed our own? The question remains open. Like, for example, the whole city of Las Vegas shouldn't even exist. You know how much water we waste to, to have this playground out in the middle of the fucking desert? And we're supposed to be the smartest animals? What? The level of knowledge proper to each of the, spe each of the species is the key to its reason for being. Physical and mental characteristics are inseparable in the plan of creation. Physical and mental characteristics are inseparable in the plan of creation. The development of our brain is not a result of chance. It is the instrument of a perception of the world that varies according to genetic group, and each group plays a different witnessing role, such that a hunting dog has aptitudes different from those of a sheepdog. In the immense display represented by the multitude of the forms of life, the development of intelligence has as its goal the perception of a particular aspect of creation. It is sufficient in certain cases that rare individuals or even a single individual reaches a certain level of knowledge such that the creator can contemplate his work through the beings that he has created, not at all in his image, but as mirrors in which he contemplates himself. Fucking poetry right there. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture of that because that is just my goodness. All right. It is sufficient in certain cases that rare individuals or even a single individual reaches a certain level of knowledge such that the creator can contemplate his work through the beings that he has created, not at all in his image, but as mirrors in which he contemplates himself. The mastery of the secrets that permit the destruction of the atom and the manipulation of genes causes the species man to draw near to Purusha, universal man, the computer of the created. Men encroach upon the domain of the gods and the yogic te texts warn us of this transgression beyond the domain which is allowed us. The gods do not like men to reach knowledge, say the Upanishads. Hmm, this sounds very familiar. <laughs> okay. In mastering the forces of matter and the arrangement of genes, has humanity accomplished the termination of its own role? <laughs> wow, what a line. And in this case, has it only to disappear or to direct itself forward a new golden age? This is a question that future events alone will answer. In the meantime, in the hope of survival, or in order to prepare ourselves to disappear and pass the torch to the supermen who will succeed us, what must our behavior be? 
In response to this question, tradition provides an ethic, a minimal code of behavior, which, if it cannot save us, can at least retard the day of reckoning. <laughs> the door that leads to the way of wisdom is opening slightly. Will men have the discernment and courage to enter in and thus forestall the final day? In any case, few will be chosen. Narrow is the gate, my friends. Peace.